welcome to the Machine Ethics Podcast. This month, we're talking to Alan Winfield from UWE, the University of West England, Professor of Robotic Ethics. We talk about how humans should innovate ethically, about robot standards and standards organisations, transparency as not a silver bullet, about how all autonomous systems should be transparent, and robotics as a scientific instrument to peer into our own makeup and our intelligence. You can support this podcast on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash machine ethics and you can find us at machineethics.net. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Hi Alan, thanks uh, very much for joining me today on the Machine Ethics podcast. If you'd like to just briefly introduce yourself um, and tell me uh, where you're from, uh, that'd be great, thank you. Um, hi Ben, uh, well it's great to be here. Um, so I'm Professor of Robot Ethics in the Bristol Robotics Lab. You're, the, you're almost the perfect person for this podcast because it's the Machine Ethics podcast um, and you're uh, at UE for um, Robotic Ethics, um, which is fascinating. So was that a post that um, was almost created for you? Or was that something that um, was put together as part of the Robotics Lab, the engineering departments or anything like that? Uh, no, it's it, no, it's it's not as complicated as that. So I, I mean, I have been professor, of, uh, a, a professor of electronic engineering, or should I say, the professor of electronic engineering for many years, twenty five years or so. Right. But uh, about a year ago, the vice chancellor uh, wrote to me and said, uh, "Would I uh, like to consider um, changing my title to professor mm. of robot ethics?" And I thought about it and, and, and said, yes, that would be great. Thank you. Amazing. So as simple as that. Um, I mean, the, you know, Steve West, our vice chancellor, was, uh, was and is very um, supportive of my work in robot ethics. And I, I think he, um, uh, I think, wanted to kind of acknowledge that that's perhaps where the, the focus of my work has moved to. I mean, it, it, you know, I still do, um, uh, if you like, uh, non-ethics related mm. uh, robotics research but but I would say probably uh, 60 or 70 percent of my work is focused on robot ethics and, and even my uh, a number of my research projects are explicitly um, about um, robot ethics or or more accurately uh, machine ethics. Yeah I mean um, you've taken the words out of my mouth there because uh, robot ethics kind of for me sounds like an embodied systems and the ethics of those embodied systems I guess um, whereas machine ethics is probably encapsulates that and is a bit broader um, yeah machine ethics really refers to um, the problem of how to uh, embed or imbue uh, ethical values or ethical uh, rules into AIs or, or robots Mm. But it, it's it's worth just reflecting, Ben, that there are kind of two sides to the coin. So uh, I tend to work a lot uh, in the ethics that, uh, as were the human ethics of, of doing AI and, and, yeah. and robotics, uh, which is not machine ethics. I mean, essentially, the distinction is that uh, um, most of the work that I do is 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 actually about how humans need to behave ethically and responsibly in developing and deploying uh, robots and AIs. Right. Whereas machine ethics uh, rather more specifically refers to the other side of the coin, which is how the AIs and and the robots uh, can themselves be ethical, which yeah. is a 
altogether more difficult um, uh, and you know and challenging question. Yeah, and I think you mentioned that kind of dichotomy in your um, speech at COGEX in London um, a week or so ago that I saw your um, your presentation. And it was really interesting that you have, because um, it's kind of, it's almost obvious, but I think not necessarily talked about so much that you have the human side where the implementation side, and then you obviously have the autonomous system side. So um, you kind of need to separate those things out well or you, you do that to make it more useful to talk about the ethical side of both of those things and one is a more of a technical yeah, challenge I mean, the, and the other one is kind of more of a social challenge i guess yes i mean the um uh, it has to be said uh, that the problem of how humans uh, should be ethical is much more pressing and urgent of course yeah um given that that right now zero as it were real robot and AI systems uh, have embedded ethics, or at least not explicitly embedded ethics. Um, all systems, to some extent, kind of um, implicitly embed, if you like, the values, uh, even unconsciously, the values of their designers. But, yeah. but there are no systems that are explicitly ethical in any sense. So, you know, that remains a research question, um, how to do that. It's, it, you know, but it and certainly doesn't have the, the urgency of the problem of how we humans uh, need to, uh, uh, to, you know, innovate responsibly and ethically and, 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 um, and deploy and, and, and manage, you know, our systems ethically. So it's, it's, as you say, the, the bigger question is is more of a of a um, a societal problem. It's mm. it's a uh, it's it's a, a problem of, uh, and in particular, I mean the you know people often say, well, what does that really mean? You know, how can you really affect change? And uh, my answer is through uh, developing standards. Yeah. So I, I'm very involved, therefore, in the development of of standards, and, yeah. and in particular, ethical. Uh, st standards that are about the, uh, you know, how uh, we can ethically uh, design and, and develop robotics and, and AI. Right. I actually took a sneaky peek at um, some of your information online, and there's quite a list of standards uh, bodies or organisations um, that you are affiliated with. I mean, there's the the IEEE. There's there's a UK based one. There's the Future of Intelligence. There's all these different organizations. Are they all doing different kinds of things? Or is there one particular yeah, yeah. standards organization yeah. which you could point people? Yes. I mean, the so to uh, to start, as it were, chronologically mm. at the beginning of, of my work in standards, um, which really follows on from the, the EPSRC principles of robotics, um, which uh, uh, I – and that really was my first engagement in – in uh, uh, in robot ethics now, right. um, that uh, the, the, those principles are not a standard. Uh, they're just a set of, 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 if you like, a code of conduct, a set of ethical principles that we hope yeah. that um, that uh, roboticists uh, will adopt. But that uh, kind of led to me becoming involved in a working group within the. British Standards Institute, the BSI, and over a number of years, uh, a group of us uh, uh, drafted uh, a standard which was in fact published 
uh, in April 2016, mm. just over a year ago. Uh, it's called BS 8611. And uh, the full title, I think, is Ethical Guidelines in the Design of Robots and Robotic Systems. Yeah. And um, I think it's what's notable uh, about that standard is it's the world's first, as far as I know, uh, I'm pretty sure, the world's first uh, ethical published uh, ethical standard in robotics. Um, right. And what it is basically is, uh, if you like, a methodology for allowing designers to conduct um, what we could call an ethical risk assessment. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Yeah, a way of going through a, a kind of quite a long checklist of possible ethical hazards and risks. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and then thinking about whether their robot or their system uh, might um, trigger those particular risks. And, and then we hope, um, you know, mitigating the risks and, and, and either removing or, or reducing those risks. And, uh, and of course, we give advice in, on how to do that. Mm. Uh, so it's a kind of, uh, if, if you like, a toolkit for um, an ethical roboticist. So, so uh, uh, carry on. So, um, being playing devil's advocate here, um, standards aren't law. So, how does one take um, this risk assessment, if you like, and uh, apply it wi uh, widely in, um, to industry or to, um, I mean, the the way that the world is currently working, it would seem. Um, we have all these startups, and we have um, this this entrepreneurial culture and this sort of thing almost flies in the face of that where we're trying to get to people to actually slow down think about what you're doing and yeah. anticipate uh what your systems might um impact um so for example is this sort of something that you would give to some of your students working at the um at the university at the robotics lab uh well it is i mean the uh but but the the more general answer is uh, that of course uh, most standards and and of course uh, you, you know you're probably aware that there are literally hundreds of thousands of standards you know that determine every aspect of 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 modern life you know standards are what i refer to as the infrastructure of life um uh you know they determine everything um uh, you know from making sure that the um, you know the roof uh, the ceiling above your head doesn't collapse. You know that, that the yeah. your your kettle is safe. That that your you know the car you drive is is safe and and isn't going to kill you. We hope, um, and and thousands of other things, and and most standards uh, are voluntary. Right. Uh, relatively few standards. Only uh, standards for safety critical systems uh, are mandated, as it were, in. Uh, in regulations and in, in re regulatory structures, um, uh, which is you know which is perfectly appropriate. Mm. So yes, of course, BS eight six eleven is a voluntary standard. But um, what we would hope is that designers and and this obviously takes time, you know, to become um, widely uh, uh, known and and appreciated. We t we hope that designers and manufacturers will see that there is a commercial advantage to them in being able to to have a if you like a a notice on on the box mm, you know that yeah. the robot is packaged in saying 
you know, this robot has been risk assessed, um, uh, you know, to British standard BS8611. And, you know, we believe and I, I you know, I, I would argue that that gives a manufacturer an advantage, a commercial advantage over a competitor's system that has not had such a, um, you know, that, that is not, as it were, compliant or has not been uh, risk assessed against any standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if 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 most people, if if given a choice between something that that complies with the standard and something that does not, would prefer to take the thing that that complies with the standard. So. Um, while you're right, I mean, it, you know, it, it doesn't, um, you know, it might seem uh, counter uh, commercial practice. I, I think that's actually not true. I think that uh, there are um, uh, commercial benefits, uh, advantages to uh, adopting ethical standards, particularly when, you know, more and more people are aware of, of the, as it were, the ethical uh, implications and, and, uh, and impact uh, of uh, robotics and AI systems. Yeah, I think that, I mean, it's been exploding in the media over the last uh, couple of years now, all these, um, the, the talk about autonomous cars and um, diagnostic um, doctor robots and this sort of thing. It seems like they can't go a day without having some sort of um, debate in the newspaper, whether it be good or bad or, or the end of our jobs. Um, so... I would presume that people are becoming uh, a little bit more afraid with um, the idea of the, of autonomous systems, and if not, then hopefully the um, the idea of having a stamp of approval or some sort of standard, uh, which we we see a lot with electronics and, and other things. Um, so why not kind of adding this sort of transparency almost to um, algorithms? Uh, well, that's right, and and in fact. Uh... In using the word transparency, you've led, you know, you, you've led nicely to uh, the bigger ethical initiative, which um, I became became involved in last year, the ISEE Standards Association, which launched uh, early in 2016. Uh, what what's what it, it calls its global ethical initiative in um, uh, in AI and autonomous systems. Um, and, you know, the important thing here is that this is a very highly regarded uh, international standards association, uh, yeah. the very standards association that gave the world Wi-Fi, for instance, you know, otherwise, otherwise known as IEEE 802.11, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. you know, the technical yeah. name for Wi-Fi. And um, so simply the fact that the IEEE Standards Association uh, would regard this as sufficiently important to create this uh, substantial international uh, initiative uh, is is wonderful in my view. It really shows that uh, AI ethics uh, are being taken seriously, um, and the uh, that initiative has so far produced uh, a kind of discussion document called ethically aligned design, mm -hmm. and. And spinning out of that, um, I think around 10 or maybe 11 um, standards uh, uh, in development, if you like, um, have been uh, spawned, uh, seeded. Um, mm. And one of them, uh, it's called P7001, uh, 
uh, I'm leading, and that's a standard that we're, we're working on, on uh, transparency in autonomous systems. Yeah, right. Um, and I think it, it, um, transparency, we, we talked briefly with um, what, uh, Rob uh, Wortham um, last time on the podcast, and he was heavily interested in um, the practicality of um, transparency and having robots which were able to uh, maybe visually tell you um, what they're capable of. Um, that would be a useful tool. Um, mm. And also uh, perhaps programmatically tell you about what they're trying to do or trying to achieve or uh, what the autonomous element of their system um, was thinking almost, not thinking not the correct word, but um, trying to choose between um, given the data. Um, that, that's and right. Yes, that more visible. Yeah. Yes, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very familiar with Rob's work on on this, and and indeed Rob and Joanna um, Bryson are both members of the working group, which is which is very okay. good. Yes, I mean the 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 driving principle for this uh, new standard is the um, proposition that it should always be possible to find out why an autonomous system made a particular decision. Mm. Uh, which, of course, is much easier said than done. Um, and you know, we recognise uh, from the outset that stand uh, that sorry that transparency is not one thing. Uh, so the transparency that that um, you know uh, an elderly person might require from her care robot uh, is quite different from the transparency that the engineer who fixes it, or or the the test engineer who certifies its safety, uh, they will require quite a different kind of transparency from uh, from the user. And we've identified, uh, I think, five different categories of, of, of stakeholder. Um, and we're essentially writing, uh, we've started to write um, a set of, of kind of measurable, testable levels of transparency within each of those categories. Uh, from obviously from uh, zero, so no transparency mm. at all, to uh, full transparency, so that uh, uh, that would be a kind of gold standard system. So you know, P seven thousand one. If you know, if we can uh, get it approved and published, which you know, this is a long process, yeah. uh, taking a number of years, will be. I mean, like BS eight six eleven, it'll be voluntary, um, but it will. Uh, be uh, testable, uh, so that um, you know that, that again companies could say yes, this uh, robot you know meets um, uh, P seven thousand one transparency levels. You know, uh, I don't know three, four, five, and five and, and four. You know, yeah. uh, for the the five different stakeholders, um, and that will mean. Something. And of course, it may well be, and this is this is typically the way uh, standards work and regulation that elements of the standard might become mandated. So, um, you know, one of the stakeholders is an invest an accident investigator, and if you take the case of driverless cars, um, it may well be that that uh, governments, well, I hope they do decide that driverless cars and in particular the autopilot of driverless cars uh, will have to have a certain minimum level of transparency 
in order that accident investigators can actually do their job. Mm, yeah. So, uh, so there's a, a, an example where, um, if not a whole standard, at least parts of it may, we hope, become, as it were, embedded into uh, into legislation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think um, obviously with the embedded systems like robots and autonomous cars, that becomes um, apparent. I guess how you might add a certain amount of transparency given that they are physical objects. But just do you think some of this will go into other things which are less trans, less um, physical? Um, for example, would some of these standards also apply to um, stock markets algorithms or some of the ways that websites show you advertising or you might uh, like their systems? Yes. Yep. The, the, the short answer is yes. I mean, we, what we're trying to do in 7001 is write a standard that applies equally mm. to, um, uh, as it were, soft AI systems as well as as physical robots or physical machines um you know the the uh, as it were the the qualifying characterization of all of these systems is that they they make decisions autonomously so any system that has uh, autonomous decision making mm. um uh, should be transparent and 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 that includes you know everything from as you say a uh, um a, an automated a trading system, mm-hmm. a medical diagnosis AI, or or uh, or even um, you know a search engine. You know a search engine is an AI that makes decisions. It, it, the decisions it makes are to what to display on your uh, results page, your search you know results page. Yeah. Um, and although you know it may not appear to be so consequential, um, well. It, you know these things are consequential because you can change people's opinion uh, yeah. by uh, manipulating what they see on their uh, search uh, page or on their Facebook page, uh, and of course such results have political consequences, uh, as as we well uh, as we believe at least uh, was the case, you know, in uh, recent uh, elections. I think um, even if there wasn't foul play. At play, um, we could safely say that um, the internet has had a, an effect on how those um, last two elections went, regardless of of whether people were um, manipulating the system. The system still set up in a way that ha- has an algorithm which populates the things that people like, and we have a lot of things like the filter bubble and and, and books like that, which uh, discuss exactly. those things further. Yeah, I think um, exactly. This really yeah. illustrates illustrates the the fact i think it's incontrovertible that all autonomous systems um uh, all ais have ethical consequences mm, definitely even those even those systems that may appear to be rather benign you know yeah. um, can possibly go wrong with the search engine well i think we now know uh you know the answer to that yep i think the the way i i think about it is um there was a, I don't know if you heard about this at all, if you're interested in computer games, but there was um, a, a case of a computer game um, getting left on for many, many years. And when someone logged back into it, they realized that all the AIs in the game, uh, I think it was Quake, Arena or Unreal, something like that, um, they were all stood around 
not shooting each other, which they're normally programmed to do. And there was this kind of equilibrium met. Uh, but as soon as the um, the player started moving, then the whole everything shot each other, and then the game crashed. So um, if you have a, a perfect system which doesn't actually participate in touching the real world or any users at all, then you can do what you like almost. But as soon as you um, you're touching the eyeballs of a of a human being or have any physical bearing on on the world, then you do you have ethical implications there instantaneously, um, and that's kind of the way I think about it. Um, yeah, I did know about isolation. that. Yeah, yeah, it's that's, quite a funny yes. one. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of um, I like to think about uh, uh, games in probably the same way you, um, you think about robotics as kind of like a test bed for um, implementing these AIs and things. I have a hard question here. Um, so we talked a lot about mostly this kind of society, societal side of the equation here about um, when we are making intelligent systems which have some sort of autonomy, how are we going to go about that and can we produce standards and such. Is there anything that you can see on the other side, um, some sort of computed ethic um, or way of doing things which fits into the technical side of things um, and that has a lot to do with autonomous cars obviously but other systems how do we program ethics it's the broader question yeah um well i mentioned earlier ben that it, it's mm. more difficult um in fact very few people have, have tried to do this um and broadly speaking the i mean it's a handful you can count them on the, the fingers of, of actually less than the fingers of one hand uh, but but the approach is essentially split into two. Uh, one is you try and train your your robot or your AI to behave ethically uh, by showing it examples of uh, and uh, or you know of, of as it were ethical and unethical behavior, or perhaps by simply as it were remarking or or, or mm. leading back to the system. Yes, that behavior was good. That behavior was not good, and so on. Uh, I suppose you could say that's teaching uh, a robot right from wrong. Right. Um, the other approach, uh, which is one that I've I've done work in and, and I'm doing uh, currently work in, uh, is to hard code the ethics, to uh, effectively um, uh, provide a set of ethical rules, uh, not in fact very dissimilar to Asimov's three laws of robotics, mm -hmm. um, that. Um, essentially uh, determine the robot's uh, ethics, determine the robot's ethical choices. So those, you know, those broadly speaking are two approaches. And, and uh, you know, there is certainly um, a small number of, of uh, experimental tests that have demonstrated that both approaches uh, can result in uh, at least minimally ethical robots. Mm. Now, you know, whether those uh, techniques, whether those experiments go far enough, well, I think we can say they don't go far enough, uh, that there's a huge amount of work to be done, and it may well be that future uh, ethical robots, uh, robots with ethics embedded in them, uh, may need a combination of, of learning and hard-coded ethics. In fact, you might have a hard-coded ethics layer, which is the default layer, mm. uh, and then the learning 
uh, layer on top of that, that 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 might allow some variations, some nuance, if you like, in in yeah. in, um, in ethical behaviours. But but it, it's it's really a, a, a you know this is a, a field. Although there's been quite a lot written theoretically um, and thought about uh, over some years, there are only a handful of people who are actually trying to to implement. Uh, ethical systems in in robots and AIs. So it, it's a very new field of work uh, with with an enormous number of, of, of questions and problems. I mean, one of the uh, and and in my mind, um, you know, it's it's even an open question as to whether we should embed ethics into robots at all. Mm. Um, you know, you mentioned driverless cars. Well, clearly, driverless cars uh, will make decisions with ethical consequences possibly disastrous consequences but before we start embedding ethics into cars uh, we need to be absolutely sure that those ethics are completely and utterly secure what i mean is secure from hacking right um, right i mean we, you know we did a um a, a, a year or so ago we we did a very simple experiment in in the lab um, where we demonstrated that it's in fact extremely easy to change an ethical robot to an unethical robot. In fact, we, we tried two kinds of unethical robot, an aggressive robot or a competitive robot. Mm. And it was less than one line of code that needed to be changed. Uh, so Yeah, these are kind of hard-coded um, situations the, that you were yes, referring it, to. Yeah. This was a robot with hard-coded ethics. Mm -hmm. And it really just illustrated how easy it is to make an unethical, an unethical, or, or at least to, to transform an ethical robot into an unethical robot. So, you know, unless the ethics can be absolutely secured from hacking or, or even gaming, yeah, then I think uh, it's, you know, it's not a technology that should be deployed. I think that, I mean, the point is that that. In my view, it's preferable to have uh, robots with no ethics than robots with bad ethics. Mm. That's interesting. Uh, in fact, we wrote a, a, a paper called "The Dark Side of Ethical Robots." You can find that online. Um, that that you know that that explains the, the experiments we did and, and and just how very straightforward it is. So you know, I think mm. that lesson from that work uh, is that. Um, uh, simply because we can, in principle, build ethical robots doesn't mean we should, because there are all kinds of, of uh, you know, consequences. Uh, and, of course, in the real world, it's very hard to make systems absolutely secure from from hacking or from or from gaming. Yeah. And I think there's the uh, adverse, um, uh, what's it called, um, adverse thing which will happen if you do lock down some ethic and then we then decide that that ethic is wrong or needs updating, then we have a problem there as well. So I think personally, um, entrenchment is a problem as well, I think, um, given that. Yes, I mean, it's certainly true that, that we need to be able to modify uh, ethics. Uh, you, you can imagine, I mean, you, you can certainly imagine a situation where um, uh, an ethical robot um, uh, causes an accident, there's an investigation, mm. and it was determined that its ethics uh, need to be modified 
uh, updated, if you like. Yeah. Um, that that is absolutely true, and 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 you can imagine that situation. Uh, so yes, I mean, you know, even hard coded ethics should be um, subject to updating and modification, but but it shouldn't be easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, and you know the and again, you know, the risks of of um, bad actors, if you like, mm-hmm. uh, getting involved in 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 you know modifying the, the a robot's ethics um, for bad uh, are so great that it may be better just not to have ethics embedded at all. In other words, you know, we'd have an we need to have an extraordinarily secure and robust system um, before, in my view, uh, mm. we can take the risk. You know, with with having um, driverless cars, for instance, driving around that that have embedded ethics. Yeah, because then someone could hack them and change those ethics, and you'd have one rogue car running around doing very odd things. Yeah, even worse if 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 the as it were the uh, the hack uh, were somehow embedded in a virus that that mm. were you know that were able to be uh, that was able to be uh, propagated uh, yeah. across the entire fleet. Well, I'm, um, I'm hoping some manufacturers are listening to this podcast uh, and are noting these things down uh, today. Um, uh, would you have anything to say to them other than that, those things? Do you think, Alan? Uh, well, uh, no. I, I think I've, I've pretty much said it yeah. all. I, you know, I think um, we need to be extraordinarily careful with with uh, with uh, embedded ethics. I think we need to certainly embed ethical values, but embedding ethical behaviours. If you like, is is a step beyond. Right. Um, well, I think we we're getting to the end, and there's a couple of questions I always end with. Um, one is, uh, what do you worry about in the future of um, AI and robotics? And then, uh, on a lighter note, what are you excited or looking forward to in that future? Okay. Well, um, to start with what I worry about, I think the 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 two biggest ethical concerns that I have um, uh, uh, in the near future are, um, number one, the uh, extraordinary gender imbalance uh, in robotics and AI. That it, It's simply a fact that most of our uh, robotics and AI systems are invented, um, are envisioned um, and designed by men, uh, often youngish uh, white Western men. Um, and that means effectively that that you know half the world's population the you know the women in the world um are not you know their values are not reflected i mean i'm not saying that of course women and men have radically different values but nevertheless unconsciously uh, even you know um with the best uh, of, of intentions uh, males tend to envision a, a male view of the world yep. and those values uh, are embedded uh, even implicitly in their products. So I think that we need, you know, we really need uh, to work extraordinarily hard to uh, increase the number of women uh, in AI and and robotics. Um, ideally, to you know, so to, to so that it, it's you know that the situation is gender balanced. Mm. Um, and and of course, we also need um, senior women who are, if you like. You know, driving the the vision uh, of of the kind of, of AI 
uh, and robotic systems that, that we want in, in our future. I think that's really important, something I feel very strongly about. Yeah. The second thing which, uh, which I, I also worry about is wealth inequality. Um, and, uh, you know, we already see that uh, a, a small number, a handful of uh, multinational AI companies uh, are making a vast amount of money, a uh, truly vast amount of money, mm. um, and, and you know, in essence, own most of the AI in the world. My uh, concern is that, uh, is that, you know, we should all, all in society should benefit from the wealth created by uh, robotics and AI. Um, and at the moment, that simply isn't happening. Um, if anything, you know, the, the trend is towards greater inequality, wealth inequality. Um, you know, it, it, it's a fallacy that the Luddites were um, anti-technology. They were not. They were anti-starvation. And, and uh, you know, when you also bear in mind, Ben, the fact that mm. the companies that are making fortunes out of AI and, and robotics, particularly AI, um, are actually... Uh, you know their 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 uh, their innovation is based on publicly funded research, research that that you know you and I, the taxpayer funded uh, university research, some of it military research, but all publicly mm. funded. So um, it's it's perfectly reasonable, therefore, for us, you know the as it were the taxpayers, the world's yeah. the taxpayers of the world, to expect to to share as it were. Um, a premium from that investment that we all made through our taxes. Uh, so, you know, I really think that uh, uh, we need some radical changes to uh, bring about uh, a proper uh, sharing of, of, of the wealth, the bounty, if you like, from uh, from AI and robotics. Mm. Now, I'm not an economist, so I'm not best placed to, you know, to figure out or advise on how that should happen. But certainly, I think that we need to be thinking about things like uh, the universal basic income or perhaps a conditional universal basic income or a negative in income tax. You know, there are there are um, lots of, 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 of good, you know, really smart economists have started thinking about this problem. Yep. Uh, and I think there are solutions that 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 merit very serious consideration. Mm. Well, um, is there. I mean, although those t two things are, are extremely uh, valuable points, um, and, and COGEX actually had quite a lot of um, discussion about the diversity issue um, within the industry at the moment, um, which is which is great to see people talking about it um, and and trying to react to it. The obviously, I would I'm in favour of a universal basic income or the inverse uh, income tax. That would be fantastic uh, for people to get on that, please. Um, is there anything that you are looking forward to, um, Alan, uh, in the near future? Well, you know the uh, the, the thing that we tend to um, forget, if you like, or, or overlook, um, is that when we're designing AI and robotic systems, we're effectively building working models of uh, natural um, uh, intelligence, and the most exciting uh, stuff for me is is discovering uh, through building these working models yeah. um, how natural intelligence works. 
And, uh, you know, part of my research, the uh, uh, admittedly a smaller part of my research, is focused on, on these simple uh, working models of uh, bits of intelligence, bits of, of evolution, bits of, of culture even. Mm. Um, so, you know, I'm really excited by that. I'm, I'm very excited by the idea that we can uh, understand uh, how animals, uh, including humans, think better, um, better understand how animals and, and humans think um, by uh, building robots and, and AI systems. Yeah, and um, there's, I think there's a lot of um, work going on in, in neurological uh, science to do with um, systems mimicking nature and, and learning more about nature and intelligence from those systems, and then, and then that begets more um, experimentation in these kind of artificial systems and feeds back in and... Um, it's kind of a virtuous cycle almost, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, for me, perhaps the most, uh, you know, the, the scientific use of robotics and AI is the most exciting. That is the idea that robotics, robots and AI systems are a kind of microscope mm. for uh, studying intelligence. In other words, uh, you know, I, I, I uh, get very excited when I think of, of our robots as scientific instruments rather than, uh, just um, things that, that might have utility in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time, Alan. It's been fantastic, and I'm really glad that we got you on the show. Um, if people would like to follow you or check out your research, how can they do that? Well, it's easy to find me online, uh, but I'm, I'm, uh, I have a blog uh, which uh, people uh, you know, would be... I'd be delighted if people visit that. It's just alanwinfield.blogspot.com mm-hmm. um, I'm also on Twitter that's very easy to find me there um, it's just at alan underscore Winfield Brilliant, thank you very much and I've just noticed you've actually got the slides from the COGX um, conference up on your blogspot I, I do, yes yeah. yes. I, I still have to write some commentary but, uh, but the slides are there yes, that's sure. right Great, well thanks again Thank you